Welcome to Tales from the Albright, a new podcast by the Scranton Public Library. In today's episode, we will be talking about the Hyde Park branch of the Scranton Public Library that is no longer in existence. Today, our guest is Jeannie Sluck, who is the director of the Taylor Community Library. She had worked at Hyde Park Branch for a number of years earlier in her career. When did you start? I started October the 6th, 1977, as a page, and I was there until April the 30th, 1980, when all the branches closed because of funding. It was interesting. <clears throat> what happened was, in 1976, I believe it was, the Scranton School District used to supplement the library mm-hmm. because the library had 16 millimeter films that they could borrow, and, and they cut us out of the budget. So when they cut us out of the budget, that was really a blow to us. And there was a, it wasn't a war, but there was like, well, they didn't want to lend them the movies mm-hmm. and going back and forth. And when you lose funding in anything, something has to suffer. And the branches, unfortunately, suffered. High Park closed, okay. The others stayed, but the hours were cut dramatically. And the bookmobile also, the hours were cut dramatically. But High Park downright closed. And... We were given the opportunity at that time. See, High Park started as a uh, in a house on Scranton mm-hmm. Street. It was this great old house, okay? And I can remember I got my very first library card there. I was four. I yes. couldn't even reach the desk. And yeah. it was, it. you just walked in, and I was in awe because I, I've always liked to read. I always liked books. I made my parents teach me to read when I was mm-hmm. four. Um, do you know about the library before it actually moved into the Richards house? No. Okay. I don't know a lot about that. I'm, I'm sorry to say yeah. that, and I wish I did. And I wish, you know what, I wish we had things like podcasts or things that we could have taped oral histories because I'm sure there would be a lot of people that were your customers that could have told you stories, but I'd yes. love to hear about them. Okay, yeah, and if you have any stories yourself, feel free to email them to me, and we will make a folder and put it back in the reference department. So my email will be at the end of the episode, like always, but that's a great idea of just kind of collecting the stories and oral histories as well. I think, I think it's a fabulous idea yes. because so many things get lost along the way. And there's nothing, I mean, it's nice to look it up in the newspaper mm-hmm. and get that, but you know what, there's nothing like an actual story from a person that yes. lived it. Uh-huh. It really is, and there's something special. Hyde Park started in a similar way to the Nancy K. Holmes branch that I covered in an earlier episode. There were two main groups, the Welsh Philosophical Society and the Westside Circulating Library Club that demonstrated that Westside had a need and a want for a library. The Westside Circulating Library Club existed in 1890 and had a collection of over 100 books. They would meet in various members' houses to exchange books and have fundraisers to raise money for their clubs. As a commentary on the Library Club, the Scranton Republican stated that the library is a good organization as it interests the young people and turns their thoughts to literature. At the height of its popularity, it had over 100 titles that spanned across historical, scientific, and religious topics. This circulating library club was disbanded in December of 1898. The Welsh Philosophical Society began in 1858, and the society would originally meet at the corner of Main Street and Scranton Street for weekly meetings with a collection of about 200 books. They would have music festivals in 1875, 1880, and 1885 to raise funds for a free library to be created from their collection. These efforts generated enough revenue that the society was able to open a free library reading rooms to the public. 
During a meeting in February of 1898, the Welsh Philosophical Society raised the idea of merging with the Albright Memorial Library as a branch library. This would allow them to raise the funds needed to attract younger people with more modern books and publications along with a dedicated staff. As a side note, because I think it is kind of fun, the society held a discussion on the difference between materialism and spiritualism at the same meeting. The Philosophical Society would then develop into the Hyde Park Library and Debating Society, which held meetings in the library branch. By November of 1898, plans were made to have the former Welsh Philosophical Society rooms reopen as the West Side branch of the Scranton Public Library, which is more commonly known as the Hyde Park branch, and will be how we're referring to it throughout the episode. Before the new branch's opening, the Philosophical Society paid to have the space renovated and repaired due to a fire that had taken place. The new area had fresh carpets, linoleum, tables, and a gas stove to keep the space warm and inviting. In early December of 1898, the Hyde Park branch opened with Reba Thomas in charge. Instructions on how to request a book from the Albright Memorial Library were included in an article published in the Scranton Republican. It states, each cardholder is required to leave their card with Miss Thomas and call on the following afternoon or evening and receive the book. This was promoted as a way to save money as the patron wouldn't have to take the streetcar or other means of transportation into downtown Scranton. Instead, the library employed a high school student, Charles Doherty, to transport the books from the main library to the West Side branch. And I imagine he would be the one taking the streetcar or mm-hmm. his own personal or transportation. Maybe like a wagon. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. And, that, and it's, they started something like that, and we still carried on today with our delivery service. Yes. Uh huh. That, that, that's pretty interesting when you think about it. Yes, we have the dedicated staff that go around with the outreach van that right. bring the bins to exactly. all of the libraries. And uh, that, that's pretty impressive that they thought they were so far ahead of their thinking back then mm-hmm. and, uh, and willing to share. And that's the whole idea, sharing your materials so everybody yes. can benefit from them. Is very important because it expands the collections so much more. And it does. And you know what? Think about it. It wasn't like we are today. I mean, people didn't have a, a car or transportation to get over there. And while it doesn't seem far, it is, uh, mm-hmm. it, especially if you're coming from Jackson Street in the 2000 block to walk over to the Albright and back, that's a hike. And if the weather gets bad, oh. In 1911, a fire broke out in the building where the library was housed. None of the books previously owned by the Philosophical Society or the Westside Branch Library Circulating Club were damaged. This resulted in a discussion about a new location for the library, and Henry Carr wrote to Andrew Carnegie to explain the situation with the library and asked him to donate a library to the city. At that time, um, the Carnegie libraries were hopping up all over. Carnegie was very, very big on education and is from his Scottish roots. And it was one of the things he was considered fortunate when he lived in Scotland that he could go to a library and borrow a book. And it, you were considered to be um, of the upper class to be able to do something like that. Yes. So when he came to America, he wanted to not just the upper class, but he wanted all classes to be able to enjoy mm-hmm. the love of reading. Yes. The Tribune Republican reported that Mr. Carnegie said that he would do so on the usual conditions. 
Carnegie would buy the ground and erect the building, giving a stipulated amount for that purpose as soon as the city council had passed an ordinance, giving a guarantee that the library would be maintained and the books supplied at the expense of the city. And I mean, $10,000 to us today, when you think about opening a library, is nothing. But back then, that was quite a bit of yes. money. And you know, when people in that area, I mean, we were basically laborers, especially in the mines. Mm -hmm. And you had larger families, so that would have been a really, really uh, high and a dedicated tax for the people. And I can see why it might not have passed. I, because yes. when you think of, I mean, you're establishing your hospitals back then, mm -hmm. you know, fixing your roads. It's sort of like what we're doing now, but it was just a lot harder. So I, I, I get it. And I, not that it makes it any easier yes. to, to say, oh, well, the library wasn't, didn't even make the cut. Mm -hmm. But I can, I can get it. But I'm just glad that we were able to go with something else yes. that we actually did get. Branch. After a few moves, the Scranton Public Library received a donation of a residence located at 1010 Scranton Street from sisters Anna Mae Richard and Edith Richards Mansfield in memory of their parents, David and Margaret. Because the residence needed a few renovations to turn it into a suitable location for the library branch, the library board hoped to raise $1,000 through subscriptions. Their goal was to replace the front steps and sidewalk, paint the entire building, install a fence, replace the linoleum, and replace the heating system. The Crawford property, which was located next door at 1008 Scranton Street, was donated by an unnamed person to the Albert Memorial Library as well. This structure would be demolished along with the barn of the Richards House to create the grounds of the Hyde Park branch. The Richards House was accepted by the library trustees on May 13th of 1938 and a formal acceptance by the City of Scranton and Mayor Fred J. Huster on July 28th of 1938. The Hyde Park branch opened on August 1st, 1938 with William J. Thomas as the main librarian. It would continue at this location for a few decades until 1968 when the Scranton Redevelopment Authority notified the library that it had to vacate the house the land it was located on was going to be part of a public housing project constructed during the Lackawanna West Urban Renewal. The library would reopen at 1112 Jackson Street on November 4th of 1968. The Scranton Times reported that the new location was significantly smaller than the Richards House, but it suited the needs of the library well. The move also allowed the librarians to assess the collection and weed materials that were no longer useful. The Hyde Park branch would continue to operate for another 32 years. Its last address was at 401 North Main Avenue in Scranton. After this, the branch would close due to low circulation statistics and changing patron use patterns. The Richards House where you started at. That's where I yes. Started. It had a great porch. I remember that, lots of steps. And I can remember going to the children's area, okay, and they had the big long wooden tables. And I remember the first two books I took out Achilles and Achilles and Diana, and it was about yes. donkeys. And of all things, and I don't know why I took those books out, but they just appealed to me at that time. Now, when I started going to the library, and anybody that's from West Scranton, and anybody mm -hmm. that visited the library would have known Mrs. Godfrey. Margaret L. Godfrey was the librarian. And she was just, if you look the word librarian up in a dictionary encyclopedia, <laughs> there would be her picture. Mrs. Yeah. Godfrey knew 
everybody. Every, she could talk to every single person that came through that door. And she would know the exact book to give you. And she was just fabulous. And she happened to be my first boss. She was my very first boss right until, you know, we closed. And uh, she was the one that got me my job here in Taylor. She was a force to be reckoned with. Her and Betty Towell, Elizabeth Towell was the other librarian. And I know Mrs. Towell, she had retired, but she would substitute. And then Mrs. Gibbons, Jean Gibbons, was the other librarian that I started with up in, up in High Park. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. But I remember back then, you couldn't get a library card unless you could print your first and last name. So you had a practice, uh, yeah. you had a practice, practice and that card was your card. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, it was sort of special. And when I started here, that's what we used to do. We used to tell the children, as soon as you can print your first and last name, number one, they get mail. Number two is their card, and it's something that they can work up to, mm -hmm. and uh, and I think it means a lot more than just being able just to give a card out. It's just something. Yeah, it's some special. like a reward mm -hmm. almost. But uh, back then, the branches weren't open on the weekends, and um, you know I'm going to fast forward to school, and mm -hmm. I'm like maybe in the third grade, and my mother had a hard and fast rule: I could only have six library books out at a time. And I used to go to the library Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. I used to sweat it out because they closed at 5 o'clock. And we always went to the farmer's market in the summer, and, you know, right up until mm -hmm. they closed. And wonder if I didn't get to the library. and wonder if I didn't have my books for the weekend. And I can remember, because I only lived about six blocks from the library, running up High Park Avenue <laughs> to make sure that I got to the library to get my books on time. Mm -hmm. It was great. It was absolutely yeah. great. It sounds like a great Friday. It was. It, it, <laughs> Just... it really was. Things that I, kids miss a lot today, they really do, and especially with the walking, because I can remember sort of like they do now on your phone when you you text and walk. Mm -hmm. I'd be reading and walking, and I, <laughs> I can remember walking into a telephone pole or two, doing that, uh huh, or running home because you didn't want the book to get wet, and and then you know, like I said, I started working there when I was a, a senior in high school, and I I, I just I, I can't explain what it meant to me to be able to do that, to uh, see the other side. Because mm -hmm. everybody thinks when you work in a library, first, oh, I'd love to work in a library. I'd love to read. Well, so do I, but that's not what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how often do we actually get down to sit down and read a book? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. And it was so different back then because you'd get a box of books, and you had to open it, and it was like Christmas Day because, oh, here's the new books and what they are. Mrs. Godfrey was really good about that because she'd leave you look at the books mm -hmm. and see which ones you'd want to put on hold because you couldn't take everything out, which is which is normal at yeah. the time. That. But uh, the branch was so, and I mean small, really, really small. Mm -hmm. And we, back then, you didn't do programming in a library. You, uh, you, you were totally quiet in the library, all right? And when I started there, the big thing was, McNaughton books mm -hmm. and large print books. That was the new concept that we were just getting those. And to have a story time, it was great up at our place. And we used to have such an active summer reading program. Mm -hmm. We would literally have between seven and 900 children oh, wow. every summer. Oh, yeah. And it was great. It was, it was a lot of work. And, it, I, and I won't kid you, from the first Monday in June, until the middle of August, we really worked, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I know when I was looking for the research for this episode, the summer reading program was advertised all of the time mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. consistently. Right. And you know what? Back then, 
I mean, it's so different now because we do it on a statewide theme, okay? And we used to do it like a theme with the branches in Scranton, but the artwork was fabulous. It was just so, I can remember the one, and it was a pen and ink in um, the gray and the black, and then there was a yellow undertone of ducklings. Oh. It, was, it was absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But we used to have a bulletin board, and that used to be one of my jobs. Mm -hmm. And you used, uh, for every book you read up to 10, you'd go to a different part on the bulletin board. And then when you read your 10 books, you were on the honor roll and you got your certificate. And it really, and Mrs. Godfrey always made it seem like, I mean, it was like they just got their master's degree. Yes. Because it was such a big accomplishment. And you know what? It's very important. And she mm -hmm. made... She made reading so much fun that you wanted to do it. And, like, I can remember coming in and she'd say, Jeannie, we just got a new book, and I think this is a series you'd like. And that was it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was really fun. So much fun. And, you know, I have to say, she was, she was not really rigid, but she had a routine, and this was it. And I guess I was like a force of nature because I'd come in and I'd say, oh, let's try this or let's do this. And you know what? She always let me try. And uh, that's what I've learned. You know, always let people try. Mm -hmm. And that if it works, wonderful. If it doesn't, well, you do it for the next time. Uh, but she, she did. And I was always grateful to that, that. And she taught me a lot. She taught me more than I learned in, when I went to college. I have to say that because I'd come back and she'd tell me something. And, and the patrons, they even would say, like, oh, Jeannie, practice on us. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it was great. And it was very sad when we closed. They lost the house when the high-rise came in, the Jackson Street high-rise. Mm -hmm. They totally lost the house. But they needed a building in proximity in, of Hyde Park. So the West Side Bank was right on the corner of Jackson and Main Street. And they owned this little building on the other side of their parking lot. And it was I'm telling you, small, very small, but that became the High Park Library. I didn't really help them move to the, when they moved their location, but I was there. Then when they finally did close and, you know, the building was demolished and that, it, it just, it was just like a piece of your heart just went with it. And I can remember us leaving that night, you know, turning the key in the door for the last time and just hearing that click. And it was, it was just really, really sad able to reopen i believe it was about a year to a year and a half later and they opened up in the jace commons what's known as the jace commons now and it was on main avenue and black lawn avenue and i remember coming home one night a man thought the road went straight and it did oh and no right through the front glass of the library oh gosh on a friday night never forget that i was like oh what? i'm thinking what are we going to do with the books uh -huh. and at that time grace scatia was the librarian there and uh, it, it was in, it was interesting but again it just kept getting smaller and smaller until finally it had to be phased out and i always say you know i'm so fortunate because my career was also my hobby and not every and it's a hobby that you love so not everybody can say that what they've they've actually grown up loving could turn into something that pays you and you know and, and to me it's so rewarding I just I, I mean I'm I'm in the library land a long time I'll be in 44 years this year 41 of them entail and yeah. I wouldn't change a minute of it not a minute of it it's just it's just so much fun this concludes our episode this week but I'll be back next week to discuss the paintings that are located in the Albright Memorial Library if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, stories, or anything at all, please email me at aloney at albright.org. That is A-L-O-N-E-Y at albright.org. 
You can also call the library at 570-348-3000. Thank you. Thank you.